0: And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 8. And today we come to, I think we would all say, one of our favorite miracles, a miracle in which Jesus said that a man had great faith. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to learn how to have great faith and how to walk with the Lord in great faith. And so we've been walking through the Gospels, and at some point we'll get to the book of Acts, but it's going to be a while. But we've been walking through the Gospels, looking at the patterns and the principles Of the miracles of the New Testament and we're learning those patterns and principles and we're learning how to apply them to our lives so that we can walk in all that our Heavenly Father has for us so that we can walk in his best and in this Sunday morning series a few weeks ago I pointed out that what God has done in our lives he wants to do through our lives And in this series, we're not just learning about what God once did. We're also learning the patterns and principles because these are things that God wants to do today to demonstrate his goodness and to demonstrate the fact that his son is the Savior of the world, that he is alive, that he is risen from the dead, that he is seated at his right hand, and that today in 2023, he is still saving the lost he is still healing the sick he is still setting the oppressed free but how how does God do those things here because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and that's why I said a few Sunday mornings ago what God has done in your life God wants to do through your life and praise God we have the Spirit of Jesus the Holy Spirit who helps us in that amen but as an example of that I want to read a testimony And this testimony connects directly to the message today and the passage we're in. And this is an example of how the Lord orchestrates things, that this happened in the life of a family in the church, and the husband wrote this up, sent it to us, and we just happened to be in this passage today. But with the Lord, it's not luck or coincidence. Amen? He leads us, he guides us, he directs us, He orders our steps. So this man in the church, he writes, Pastors, I wanted to share a healing testimony we recently experienced. A few weeks ago, a friend of ours called me at the end of the day upset, and he asked me to pray for healing for his mom. His mom went to the hospital a few hours before and was having a nonstop, severe seizure-like episode. She had had no history of this in her health prior. For about four hours straight, She had been shaking unconsciously with her eyes and mouth wide open, unable to hear or respond to anyone. Her body was also completely limp. I got in agreement in prayer with him as he was also confessing the word over her too. And then I got off the phone. I immediately called my wife and I told her that I felt I needed to go lay hands on her and also be there as support for him since he was there alone at the time with just his dad. They was pretty shaken up. I began driving and confessing the word over his mom. And as I was driving to the hospital, my friend called again knowing I was on my way. He told me that due to the severe nature of the situation, they would not allow me in the room, but I told him I was going to come anyway and I would just be downstairs. I called my wife to let her know what was going on and that I was still going. She said, let's be in agreement right now that she will wake up and that's what we did. She also asked if we should let Pastor Austin know since he knew my friend, and I said, no, not now, it's late, and we know how to pray. I told her how I couldn't go in the room, but that didn't matter. To get word on the situation, we then talked for a moment about the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter eight, who believed Jesus would heal his servant without having to go all the way to his house physically. He knew Jesus had the authority to just say the word, and his servant would be healed. I said to my wife, surely... I have as much faith as a Roman centurion. I may not be able to go lay hands on her physically, but we don't even need to do that. We'll just speak the word and she will be healed. So I got to the hospital and I walked up to the building and from the parking lot, I pointed at the building and in a loud voice, I simply said her name and commanded her to wake up in the name of Jesus. I walked in the lobby and texted my friend that I was there and there was no rush to come down. I'd be there when he needed me. Ten minutes later, I saw him come down the hall with tears in his eyes, and the first words out of his mouth were, my mom woke up. Praise God. He began to tell me a few minutes after I got there that she woke up, asked for a drink, and was completely aware of her surroundings and talking. Praise the Lord. Amen. God touched her body, and she was healed. It was truly a miracle. God confirmed his word. We rejoiced together, talked a few minutes, and I told him to get back to his mom and that he didn't need me there anymore. My wife and I were not the only people praying over her, and God gets all the glory. Yet I wanted to share the power of taking action on the word and the power of praying the prayer of faith over someone. We also got an agreement that she would have no brain damage or any side effects from this. Two days later, she was released from the hospital, and the scans on her brain showed no signs of damage. She was made completely whole. And now a few weeks later is better than ever and back to life as normal. Praise God. My friend later told me he's never witnessed a more tangible healing miracle in his life. Praise God for his healing power. And thank you, pastors, for teaching us how to exercise our faith and how to pray. All the glory goes to God and we praise him for it. Amen, isn't that wonderful? And I love that. He says, he writes all the glory goes to God, and we praise him for it. So when we walk through and we see these miracles, yes, it's wonderful to learn about what happened, but don't just see these miracles in the sense, well, God once did those things. Jesus is alive. The book of Hebrews says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he is still saving today. He is still healing today. He is still delivering today, and what God has done in your life, he now wants to do through your life. And I'll remind you of Mark chapter 16. Jesus said, then that believe, which is every believer, then that believe, these signs will follow, them that believe, and one of those signs is they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So again, what God has done in your life, God now wants to do through your life, And then you read the very end of Mark chapter 16, it says that they they went out and preached the word, the Lord working with them, and he confirmed the word with the signs that accompanied it, with the signs that followed the preaching of the word. So, So praise God, it's not my word or your word he confirms, he confirms his word. And so with friends, with family, with coworkers, or as situations of need are brought to your attention, as you step out in faith, our wonderful Heavenly Father will demonstrate that His Word is true. And He will demonstrate that His Son is alive, that He is the Savior of the world, and that salvation and life and healing is found in Jesus Christ. Had another wonderful, similar testimony. Again, a man in the church stepping out in faith. In the past year or so, a co-worker had shared with him that her teenage son was suffering from testicular cancer. Well, that's horrific, but you can imagine how horrific that would be for a young man. And so this man shared with me how he had prayed with her, had prayed with him, and was standing in faith, believing God on their behalf. He he asked, you know, the young man is there at the hospital. Is there anything that I can give him? I know some young people don't like to read. And so I shared links with him to give that young man so he could listen to the audio version of F.F. F. Bosworth's uh, Christ the Healer. And T.L. Osborne's Healing the Sick. And apparently that young man did that. But this man in the church messaged me this past week that he, he's, he's back, he's healthy, he's whole, he's strong. And that young man is doing one of the things he loves, which is playing baseball. Again, What God has done in our lives, he now wants to do through our lives. But we have to step out in faith. And we have to say, let me tell you about Jesus. And he saves, he heals, he delivers, he he sets free. How do we know what God will do if we don't step out in faith and and speak his word in faith and give him the opportunity to confirm his word? So let's go to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Tell your neighbor, say, with God, all things are possible. Tell your other neighbor, say, with God, all things are possible. Matthew 8, beginning in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, we know that, G- that Capernaum was Jesus, it was his hometown. It was where he had a place where he, he lived. It's later where the, the, man, the per- man that was paralyzed was lowered through the roof. When Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him asking for help. Now a centurion was a Roman soldier and at this point in time historically Israel was occupied by Rome. So this centurion was a Roman soldier. He was from the perspective of the natural descendants of Abraham from the perspective of the Jews he was an enemy. He was an enemy of Israel. You know We're headed into spring. We're coming up to Easter. We're we're always mindful of what Jesus did on our behalf and picturing the way in which he, he suffered and the way in which he was crucified. When we talk about crucifixion, we always picture our Lord and Savior. But crucifixion was a brutal form of death the Romans had invented, and they used it on a regular basis. And there were times where they put down Jewish rebellions, and with such violence, such brute force in those days when you went to Jerusalem that they crucified not just dozens, but sometimes hundreds on the way to Jerusalem. So imagine going up to Jerusalem, going there as a faithful Jew time of year to worship the Lord, but knowing that this violent thing had just taken place and seeing your countrymen crucified by the dozens, on some occasions into the hundreds. So they were the occupiers of Israel. So the Jews would have hated them. The Jews would have despised them. The Jews would have looked down upon them. They would have also feared them because of their brute violence. So this man was a centurion, a Roman soldier, an enemy of Israel. And as a centurion, he would have commanded a hundred men in Rome's occupational army. He came to the Lord. Verse 6, Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Now think about this. what In this day, in the early first century, what kind of man, whether a Jew or a Gentile, would be so concerned about a servant? And, and so this gives us some insight into this man, this Roman centurion. Now much later, scholars created a term to describe Gentiles who believed in the God of Abraham, Gentiles who believed in the God of Isaac and Jacob. There's an example in Acts 10 of a a Gentile named Cornelius, and it tells tells us that he was a devout man, that he would sometimes go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, that he gave offerings to the poor. But those that were technically outsiders, but they believed in the God of Abraham. They believed in the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And and something I want you to keep in mind as we we walk through this passage, in, in that day, Jesus was there. The Messiah was there physically, tangibly, in the flesh. But not everyone accepted him. Not everyone believed him. Not everyone recognized him for who he was and many of his own, many of those that were the natural descendants of Abraham, they didn't believe him. They didn't accept him. They didn't honor him. They did not recognize him for who he was. Yet here is an outsider, someone that is not one of the natural descendants of Abraham says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. So he was a man that came to Jesus believing. And he was a man that cared about his servant. Now how had this centurion heard about Jesus? Well, we saw last Sunday that Jesus had healed, just as one example, Jesus had healed the leper. He said, don't tell anyone, but go do what the word of God commands. Go do what the law commands. Go do what the Old Testament commands. Yet what did that man do? He went out and told everyone about what had happened. So Jesus at this point, has been healing the sick. He's been healing the lepers. Jesus, at this point, has been casting out devils. And it's natural, people couldn't help but tell what God had done. And so people were hearing about Jesus. And people were hearing about what Jesus was doing. So some way, somehow, like the woman with the issue of blood, we'll get to, this Roman centurion had heard about Jesus and we've learned Romans 10 17. How does faith come? Faith comes by by hearing. And so when someone comes to you with a problem, when someone comes to you with a need, when someone comes to you with an, um, an impossible situation, how does faith come to them? Faith comes by them hearing, you declare the goodness of God. By you declaring Jesus and who he is and what he does and what he he will do and can do in their life if they will simply believe. Faith comes by hearing. But Paul also writes in Romans, how will they hear unless someone is sent? How will they hear unless someone tells them? And who's that going to be? It's got to be you and me. And I know this. In your prayer time or when you're on your way to work or wherever you go during the week, if if you say, Lord, give me opportunities to encourage others, he will. Give me opportunities to pray with those in need, he will. Give give me opportunities to tell people about your goodness and how your son is the savior of the world, he will. So this Roman centurion had heard and he had come to Jesus for help. Jesus said, verse seven, I will go and heal him. Now, I've emphasized this very strongly the last few weeks, and this this is important because there are believers, and perhaps because of their upbringing or because of what they heard in church at some point or what a relative said to them, they're having trouble believing God because they haven't settled in their heart that healing is the will of God. But think about this. This Roman soldier was an outsider. He was not a natural descendant of Abraham. He comes to the Lord for help. Look at Jesus' immediate response. I will go and heal him. So he he wants to do good. He wants to do good in our lives. He wants to do good through us in the lives of others. I will go and heal him. This in turn replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Now we see something in this passage that is so important. And it's so important for us in the time and the culture in which we live. And all of these things go together with faith. We see respect, we see honor, we see authority. And do respect and honor and authority have anything to do with faith? They have everything to do with faith. And this is part of having great faith. And for all of us, whether old or young, I like to still include myself amongst the young, for all of us, we, we live in a culture of rebellion. We live in a culture of disrespect and disrespect for authority. And we all think, because we have iPhones and Google, we all think we are geniuses who know everything. And so in a culture of disrespect and a culture of dishonor and a culture which it's just so easy and so common to think, I know everything and I am the master of my life to embrace biblically respect honor authority and with that submission. And in our lives if we're going to follow Christ we have to first submit to God then we have to submit our lives to the word of God. And notice here, notice here the deference. Notice here the reverence. Notice here The respect and the honor of this Roman centurion. You might say, Austin, does this have anything to do with miracles? Yes. Does this have anything to do with faith? Yes. Does this have anything to do with receiving from the Lord? Yes. And in contrast to this example, picture the religious leaders who didn't believe Jesus. They lied about him, they insulted him, they did everything they could to hinder his ministry. They, they disrespected him. They dishonored him. And did they receive anything from him? No. They didn't receive healing. They didn't receive miracles. They didn't receive salvation. But in contrast, notice this man, this outsider, this enemy of Israel. Respect, honor, authority, submission. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. Now, I've encouraged you to have your own Bible that is yours, that you read, you study, you bring to church with you, keep in your car, carry to work, that you write in, you underline, you highlight, you write, it's okay, is it okay to write in my Bible? Yes. And this is one of those things that is good to underline, to mark. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. What is great faith? What does great faith look like? Just say the word. That is great faith. Just say the word. And again, picture the religious leaders who who doubted, who scoffed, who mocked, who hindered, who plotted, who conspired, disrespect, dishonor rebellion versus this soldier, this, this outsider, but because he was a soldier in ancient times he understood submission he understood respect he understood honor and showing deference and respect and honor to your superiors. And see there's this thing in this culture that, that, that everything is equal on an equal playing field. It is not And the home Mom and dad are the authorities. In the classroom, the teacher is the authority. You know, there, there are believers that we, we know and love, but sometimes in the course of conversation, my parents have heard me say something like, but they have no church. They have no pastor. There is no authority that they are submitted to. And so they're, they're tossed around by the, the winds of life. They have no church, they have no pastor, there's no authority they are submitted to. So he said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. That is great faith. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse nine, for I myself am a man under authority. Now to walk with God, to live a life blessed by God, to be a man or woman of faith, you have to become a man or woman under authority, submitted to God, submitted to his word. And again, I, I know that you see the news and you know, I do my best to be aware of what's going on. There, there are plenty of examples of authority abusing their authority. But it doesn't change the fact that Paul writes in Romans that authority has been instituted by God. And there is a divine authority purpose to authority. And part of walking with God and receiving from God is authority and being submitted to authority and recognizing authority. He said, I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. Now this is the ancient world. I don't think things are quite so easy today. Again, we, we live in a culture of disrespect and rebellion but the world has seen this before there's a passage in the old testament that says everyone did what was right in their own eyes and we're living in days like that again but doing your own thing and doing what is right in your own your own eyes it does not lead to a blessed life so he said i myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me i tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes so he understood that he would give a command and his command would come to pass. He would speak a command, and his command would be carried out. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. You know, what, what, what I, that's what I expect as a parent, amen. And sometimes it doesn't always happen willingly. Clean your room, and what do I expect? I expect the room to get clean with a, a good attitude and smiles, amen. But this is the nature of it, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. This was not a rabbi, this was not a Pharisee, this was not a synagogue ruler, he was a Roman soldier, an outsider. And yet he he knew greater truth and understanding than so many of the religious leaders. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel Amongst who? Amongst my own people. Amongst the natural descendants of Abraham. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And what is great faith? Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 11. And it, again, it's hard for us today to picture how offensive these words would have been on the day that Jesus spoke them. And if you read and study The parables, many of them have to do with God's plan in history and God's plan for both the Jews and the Gentiles. But if you you read carefully the parable of the tenants and the parable of the vineyard, you'll understand why the religious leaders plotted and conspired to have Jesus put to death. And you see in the parable of the vineyard that God had rented his vineyard out to his servants. And then he sent His designated representatives, the prophets, to collect the rent that was due. And they abused the prophets. They stoned the prophets. They they killed the prophets. And they thought, well, I'll, I'll send my own son. And they took him outside the vineyard, outside the city, as they would soon do to Jesus, to kill him, to murder the Holy One of God. And you read the parable of the vineyard as an example. Jesus said, the vineyard will be taken from them and given to others. And who are those others? It's us. It is the church. It is the body of Christ. And we have a responsibility to tell everyone about the goodness of God. So again, it's hard for us to really understand how offensive these words would have been when Jesus spoke them that day. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom, who is that? The natural descendants of Abraham, who didn't believe, who rejected the Messiah. The subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus was referring to hell, eternity without God. Verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Go. It will be done just as you believed it were. And I love this. It says his servant was healed at that very hour. His servant was healed at that very hour. But again, Jesus saying this, this this required action on the part of the centurion to believe what Jesus said. Go, it will be done just as you believed it were. To believe that and to go in faith to see that what Jesus had said had come to pass, that his servant was healed and his servant was well. Number one, we see that the centurion said it, and Jesus also said it, words of faith. Words of faith based on the word of God have great power, great authority. You know, it's so easy for any of us to fall in the trap of feelings and this and that, but as we've learned on Wednesday evenings, the exousia, the authority we have in Christ, it trumps power, dunamis, every day. single time. And so words of faith based on the word of God have great power and great authority and great dominion. The centurion said it, and Jesus said it. The centurion first said it, Matthew 8, beginning in verse 8. He said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers unto me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. So the centurion said it, and then Jesus said it. Verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. See, we we can fall into traps. It doesn't take long prayers to get the job done. Some of the most effective prayers are short prayers, prayers of faith based on the word of God. Tell your neighbor, say, just say, just say the word. Tell, tell your other neighbor, say, just say, just say the word. You go to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus warned about us thinking we will be heard because of our many words. He said that's how the, the pagans pray. Tell your neighbor again, say, just say the word. Say the word. Tell your other neighbor, say, say, just, say just say the word. And see, sometimes we can fall into these bad traps or patterns, well, before I can pray for them first, I gotta pray four hours. No, just say the word you know, I, I got to go to church five times this week before, before I feel qualified. No, just say the word, because God confirms his word. Yeah, I like to use an example from my own life. Hopefully this will make you feel better. Large families will understand. You know, you know someday I just feel like I've hit cloud nine. If I can get everyone successfully loaded in the car with everything with the peace and the patience of God every step of the way, without saying, just get buckled. <laughs> well, well can, I, can I take my jacket off? No, because it's 30 degrees. And no, because when we get to school and everybody gets out of the car, we'll be standing there waiting on you to put your jacket back on. Keep your jacket on. But see, we, we, we get it in our heads sometimes as full gospel people that well, maybe, maybe because I, I should have been a little bit more peaceful in the press this morning that if someone comes to me with a need, I, I, gotta, I gotta go have two hours of prayer time. God doesn't confirm us. He confirms his word. And yes, as Paul said, we, we live a life worthy of God. We live a life to please God. As Paul said, we aim for perfection. But the one who is perfect is Jesus. And he confirms his word you got to keep that in mind. you got to keep that in mind. So the centurion said it. Then Jesus said it. Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Second, we see that the centurion did it. He did it twice. You've often heard us refer to this quote by Kenneth Hagin Sr. He would often say that confession is not the only way we take action on the word, but confession is one way. We take action on the word of God. So the centurion did it twice. First, he took action with his confession. He said, Lord, verse 8, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus said, verse 13, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. So the centurion took action first with his confession, but then he took action a second time by taking Jesus at his word and going. Now, and during the first service, my father said that sometimes people come to us with a, a need or a problem or a worry, and, and we'll tell them. We're, led by the Holy Spirit or on the base of the word, we'll tell them what to do or we'll, we'll give them some homework. But so, so so many times people want to argue with you or they look at you like they didn't like what you said. They want homework, just not that homework. They want easier homework or whatever it is. The centurion took action a second way by taking Jesus at his word and by going. And there are too many believers, and they fail to take God at his word, and they fail then to go forward in life in faith. Instead, They worry, or they wear everyone out around them with negative confessions. And yes, there is a prayer of agreement, but we do need to watch it and be careful, because sometimes going around getting everyone in agreement is a form of negativity and worry and unbelief. If you've agreed with your husband, God has heard you, God has answered you. You don't need to ask me about it. But what's this road we head down. These are, these are traps that, traps of unbelief, Satan gets us into. Oh, if we just get five more people praying, a dozen people praying, 24 people praying. But again, when you, when you pray the prayer of agreement with your husband or wife or someone, if that's been done in faith, God's heard, God's answered. You don't need to keep talking about it. But sometimes we say, well, would you be in agreement? Would you be in agreement? Because we're worried. We're anxious. And we don't really believe our Heavenly Father has heard an answer. So we've got to watch that. In Matthew 6, Jesus repeatedly tells us again and again, do not worry. Which means, do not worry. 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 worry. Yeah, but... Did you see what's on the news? And I I don't even know what's on the news today. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Have you seen what what the latest thing going viral on social media is? Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And why is this so important? Worry is contrary to faith. Worry is faith in the negative. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, cast all. That means everyone. Cast all your anxiety on who? The Lord. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. Say, say he cares for me. Say, say, oh, how he loves me. Say, he cares for me. He cares for my every need. He cares for my every want. He cares for my every desire. You know, he, 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 he's got provision lined up for you that you don't even know about yet. You know, there's this new thing the post office has called informed delivery, where you know what's coming to your mailbox before it gets there. You know, and there's been once or twice in that, that list of what's coming, like, there'll be a picture of, like, a, an envelope from the IRS, you know, and I, I remember seeing that thing, and thinking, well, what's that about? Well, it came, it's just like, just want to let you know that confirmation you, you accessed our website. Nothing to be worried about, but see, If you're listening to the wrong things and looking at the wrong things and listening to the wrong people, you'll fill your heart and your life with worry and unbelief. Do not worry. 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 worry. And Peter said we're to cast how many of our anxieties? All. Every one on the Lord because he cares for you. That's every care, every problem, every anxiety every worry. Too many believers they fail to take God and his word like the Roman centurion and then they fail to go forward in faith. Worry and fear are faith in the negative. When you're in worry you're not in faith. Have this attitude say, say, I'll, just say I'll just say the word. I'll just say the word. Everything is going to be alright. You, you have an unexpected bill come in the mail. The money is coming in. or a child is overcoming they're, they're healthy, they're whole, they're strong, they're getting better. That is just temporary. As my father says, when, when they would rehearse that to his parents when we were growing up, it would drive them bonkers. That's all right. Say what the word says. Just say the word. And that's what has power. That's what has authority. Great faith says what God says. Great faith says what the Word of God says. Great faith expects God's Word to come to pass in your life. Great faith expects what you say to come to pass in your life on the base of the Word of God. And again, as an example in finances, an unexpected bill comes in the mail or you find out something costs more than what you thought it was going to cost, which seems to just be part of life in 2023. Well, the Word says my Heavenly Father shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So when I say the money is coming in, I'm saying that on the basis of Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply. He has supplied. He is supplying. He will supply. So the money is coming in. Just say the word. And if there's sickness, if there's a need, if you're coming, overcoming, and you're physical mortal body just just say what the word says Psalm 103 as an example praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits we're his children so we have benefits that the wicked the lost do not have and two of those benefits are he forgives all of our sins and he heals how many of our diseases all, each and every single one of them and that's before the new covenant praise God Great faith expects God's word to come to pass. And great faith expects what you say on the basis of the word of God to come to pass. Tell your neighbor, say, just say the word. word. And tell your other neighbor, say, then go forward in faith. faith. Well, well, if I've said the word and I believe it will come to pass, am I going to be sad or happy? But see, this is what we do. You know, I'm, I'm going to pray my best prayer. Then I want everybody to know there's a need. So I'm going I'm to walk around sad. You know, Brother Austin, what's wrong? What, bro, I need you to be in agreement with me. And then tell them about the problem. But all of that is contrary to faith. So we, we, we've got to be like that Roman centurion, an outsider. And again, they, yes, in that day they had the Old Testament scrolls, but really how much knowledge of that did he have? just say the word, just say the word, just say the word. That is great faith. In recent years, there was a young child in the church not making normal physical progress as she grew. And any parent with little children understands how concerning that would be as a parent. After a Sunday morning message, the grandfather brought that grandchild up to my father in the atrium. And he said, just say the word, man of God. Just say the word and she will be healed. That grandfather that day said it. Then my father, our pastor, said it. Then in faith, the grandfather departed, acting like the word of God is true. So he did it. The Lord honored what the grandfather said. The Lord honored what pastor said. And that grandchild was healed. And everything from that point forward began normal and catching up and normal. So today she's healthy. She's whole. She's normal. Just say the word and then move forward in faith and act like the Word of God is so. Act like the Word of God is so, which sometimes can be a real discipline, a real hurdle, but you got to act like the Word of God is so. Number three, the servant received it. Matthew 8, verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. My my father today mentioned the book of Numbers, where in judgment God tells the people, I'm going to do to you the very things I heard you say. Well, that's in the negative, but you can flip that around to the positive, that, that our Heavenly Father, He confirms His word. And in our lives He brings to pass what we say. So instead of saying what you don't want, say what you do want. It's going to be and if you're in sales, it's going to be your best year yet. It's going to be your best year of sales yet. That people are emailing you and texting you and, and calling. You have more customers than you know what to do with. You might say, Austin, that sounds crazy. And, or you might, you might be a little lazy and think, I don't want that many customers. I'm teasing. <laughs> say what you want. Say what you desire. And it will come to pass in your life because of the authority we have in Christ. And because of that, our words have great power, great authority. Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. There are two huge factors to this miracle. First, action is required. When Jesus said, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would, action was required of the centurion. Second, like so many miracles... This miracle happened according to the centurion's faith. Jesus said in verse 13, Go, it will be done just as you, just as you, a Roman soldier, not a natural descendant of Abraham, just as you, an outsider of Israel, just as you believed it would. Say this, say, In my life, it is being done, just as I believe. If you say there's not enough, If you say there's lack, guess what you're going to have? Lack, not enough. But if you say there's plenty, if you say there's more than enough, if you say the money's coming in, guess what you're going to have? Plenty. The money will will come. If you you say of your children that they're healthy, they're whole, they're strong, they're smart, they're intelligent, guess what you're going to have? Healthy children, whole children, strong children, intelligent children. I was teasing my wife. We had the Math Olympics here Friday, and Michaela and Sophie won some ribbons. I teased my wife and said, they, they must get that mathematical genius from me. And, and I was teasing her, because I know that, that's all her. Say what you want. Not that they have this or that. Not, not that they're clueless. Not that because you struggled in that, they're going to struggle in that. You know, It was so precious Friday. I saw a man in the church break into tears and weep when his son won first place for his grade in the math Olympics. Say say what you want. They're, They're smart. They're brilliant. They're gifted. They're healthy. They're whole. They're strong. They're fast. Say what you want. On one occasion, Jesus told two blind men in Matthew 9, verse 29, according to your faith, will it be done to you. Now, see, this contradicts what religion would have you believe. That it's about the mysterious will of God that no one can know about. No, Jesus told these two blind men, Matthew 9, 29, according to whose faith? According to their faith. According to your faith will it be done to you. On more than one occasion, Jesus told someone, your faith has made you well. Say this, say, my faith faith. can move mountains. Say, I can, say I can just say the word. Say it again. Say, my faith, my faith can, move can move mountains. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. Your faith and your words release the power of God. Just like the Roman centurion. Your faith and your faith-filled words, they release the power of God. They release the provision of God. They release miracles. How can you have great faith? Matthew 8, verse 8, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Faith is acting like God's word is true. Faith is acting like God's word is true in your life. What is great faith? It's having this attitude, just say the word. Great faith is knowing that you can speak and say what God says and what his word says and God will bring it to pass. Great faith is knowing that because of who you are in Christ and because of what he has done in your life and because of who you are in Christ, great faith is knowing that you can speak in faith and what you say will come to pass. Jesus said, he told us in Mark eleven twenty three, we will have whatsoever we say. We will have whatsoever we say. When will you know you have great faith? When you know you can just say the word in your life. The sale will come. The provision will come. This, whatever it is, it's going away. That's when you'll know you have great faith. Or when pastor I can just say the word and you believe you receive. Great faith says, I said it, so it's coming to pass. Or pastor said it, it's coming to pass. With great faith, Don't need prayer or a house visit. No, all you need is for someone full of faith to just say the word. It could be you, it could be pastor, it could be me, it could be you, it could be your husband or wife. You just need someone full of faith to just say the word and you know it'll come to pass. Great faith expects God's word to come to pass and great faith expects what you say on the basis of God's word to come to pass in your life. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus told him, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. In your life right now, it's being done just as you believed it would. It's being done just as you have said it would be done. So how can you change your life for the better? By changing what you believe, by changing what you say, and by changing what you are doing. And you change those things You'll change your life, and you'll change your circumstances for the better. Tell your neighbor again, say, just say the word. Say the word. Tell your neighbor again, say, just say, just say the word. I was teasing my wife about where I want to eat this year for my birthday. It's not, it's not glamorous at all, but I, I remember back many decades ago, sitting over there with Aaron Wood. It's the only place I know where you can have Italian and Mexican at the same time. <laughs> but we would, we would pray over our food. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can eat where we want and pay cash. He confirms His word. Just say the word. And say what you want. And say what you desire. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. He is the one who was, who is, who is to come. He is the Savior of the world. This world we live in, it'll lie to you and tell you that there are many paths to God. It'll lie to you and tell you that if you are just kind of good enough, that that is sufficient, that you'll, you'll make heaven. Or it'll lie and it'll tell you that you can come up with your own path to God. Those are all lies. There is one Savior. There is one Messiah and his name is Jesus. And true life can only be found in Jesus Christ. We see in the passage today that there were many in Jesus day. They were the natural descendants of Abraham. Yet they did not accept Jesus for who he was. They did not believe upon Jesus. They did not accept him as the son of God and the savior of the world. But then there came a man, an outsider, someone that They they hated, they looked down upon, but he came to Jesus and he accepted him as the son of God, as the savior of the world. You might be here today and say, Austin, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna believe upon Jesus. I wanna live for him as my Lord and my savior. I wanna live for Jesus. I wanna follow Jesus. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that but I want to today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. That you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it to where I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you, say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. You might also be here today at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing and you have paid a price for it. The Bible tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said, no one who comes to me will I in any way cast away, turn aside. He loves you. You can find grace, can find mercy, can find a new beginning today. If you're here today say, Austin, that's me. Pray with me. I want to recommit my life and make things right before I go today. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand. We're all seated. I'll know. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. For the sake of the precious lady who raised her hand, we're going to pray. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I'd ask that you grab what you brought with you your Bible, belongings, purse. Come join me at the front. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand for either invitation, but the Lord. The Lord is dealing with your heart and you you know you need to give your life to him or you know you need to recommit your life. Come join me at the front. We're going to pray. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way and I have paid the price. But today, I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus, he suffered on my behalf. I believe he paid the price for my sins. I believe he died on my behalf. And I believe he raised him from the dead. I give my life to Jesus and ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. You're praying, watching, listening online now or later. We want to be a blessing. If you prayed, go to, to fccarlington.com salvation. Let us know you prayed. We'll send you a copy of God's very own child by my father, our senior pastor. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. You might also not have a Bible. Let us know. need a Bible, and we'll send you one in English or in Spanish. And those things will help you get started in this new life lived for God. I hope the message was a blessing, encouragement to you today. One of the things that we, we have learned over the years is that as we step out in faith and tell others about the goodness of God, and pray with others, and encourage others, and see God move in the lives of others, at the same time, that stepping out in faith, and being a blessing, encouragement, praying with others, that unleashes a harvest of blessing in your own life. You might say, Austin, I have this need, I have that need. Be, be used of God to do something about the needs in the lives of others, and that will unleash a harvest of provision, and answered prayer, and miracles in your own life.